Welcome, welcome to Lawyers Are Assholes, a podcast which holds lawyers, prosecutors, and judges accountable for being idiots, or as we like to say, assholes. Shout out to my client, Murphy from American Idol, for our intro music. And speaking of our intro music, uh, Dan, I've had a couple of comments that it might be a little bit long. I disagree, but you know, I'm going to get an opinion from a couple more friends. I'm, I'm looking at these other podcasts, you know, they have a minute, two minutes of commercials. I think our intro... Plus, I like the song. I think it's pretty good. So uh, I'm going to have to take a look at that. But uh, today's guest is Lauren Kenmick. Uh, let me start with how Lauren got here and how I screwed up. So on Tuesday nights, uh, I go to this uh, local establishment, a wine place with my law partner, Francis. Now, the reason we go there, because Francis is cheap as hell, and they have half uh, price wine night on Tuesdays. So we So we go there, and... Francis, for some reason, wants to tell the entire world um, he's a lawyer. So uh, he's talking to everybody. He's very sociable. He's flirting with the with the bartender, and and somehow he blurts out that we're lawyers, and 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 we get a a very disgruntled look from our bartender Lauren, and we say, I say, you must not like lawyers. You must have had a bad experience with lawyers. And she said, Oh, let me tell you about it. I just uh, I'm going through a divorce. I'm, the the lawyers suck. The judge suck. And Francis is saying, "Well, hey, he's got a podcast. You got to talk to him." And well, at this point, we're basically into the second bottle of wine. And I said, "Let's we, let's talk about this tomorrow." And Lauren calls me, and and we go over the facts, and it, and it's a very interesting story. And she says, "You know, I don't. I, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about it. I don't know if I want my name out there associated with it." And I said, "Hey, no problem. Uh, we'll." We'll, uh, we've done this before in the podcast, and we'll we'll give you another name and refer to you as a Jane Doe, and everything's great. We uh, record her uh, episode, and then uh, subsequently, and, and just just a little education on how podcasts work or how we do this. Sometimes that you'll do uh, some episodes, something more relevant, not not more relevant, more immediate may show up, and you may reschedule, and and they're not always in the order that you record them, and then. In this, in season two, we recorded uh, the intro uh, after we spoke to Lauren, and like a dumbass, I actually uh, talk about her and and mention her name in the uh, intro to season two, not thinking that we had were protecting our identity. And I sent it over to Lauren again, not thinking of it. I wanted to give her a, a feel of, of what the podcast sounded like, what we were doing, and she said, "Hey, by the way, Brett, my name was mentioned, but." I, I don't have an issue with that. If you don't have an issue with that, because the more I think about this, uh, the more I don't care uh, what uh, people say or know because of my experience. So in this episode, you're going to, uh, it is Lauren. Uh, we'll talk about her at the end. And uh, we uh, refer to her uh, by a uh, another name. So uh, here we go. But before we get to Lauren, uh, we're going to talk about our asshole of the week and uh, this asshole of the week is uh, it, it, this is again. And every time I think that an asshole of the week, I can't top it. Uh, it gets topped again, and 
And this one is the uh, Franklin County prosecutor. Now, we're based out of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Franklin County is the the jurisdiction here where prosecutors and judges are elected. Uh, this Gary Tyak, he was a uh, uh, he was an asshole when he was a uh, an appeals court judge. Nothing spectacular in his law career gets elected with name recognition. It's just an arrogant asshole on the bench. And at 76 years old, he runs against uh, Ron O'Brien. And, and again, a little bias here because uh, Ron was prosecutor for 24 years. Any of you who've listened to this podcast know I'm not a big fan of prosecutors. Ron is an exception to the rule. Uh, he's a good man. Um, politics taken out of his job. He's done an excellent job. And and you know that by how other lawyers react to him, always getting favorable reviews. But remember, Ohio, even though it's a red state, uh, Franklin County is a Democratic state. Uh, Ron, or a Democratic county, I'm sorry. Ron is a, a Republican in a Democratic county. Tyak saw this opportunity, not because of anything uh, special he could do as a prosecutor, but you know maybe he wanted on the public uh, dole for a couple more years. And uh, so he won this election in an upset. Well, not an upset because anybody knew where the political leanings were because we've even had a couple of judges change parties to become Democrats, knowing that they cannot win in a a Republican uh, party. So the dispatch, this guy rarely does an interview. So the, uh, the, the, the local paper just did a, an ex, uh, you'd say expose. It's, it's, it's an extended article and they uh, interview Tyak about his uh, operating the prosecutor's office. And the first thing he does is he says um, that uh, because there's criticism that how far behind his caseloads are, and he tells the uh, reporter that the judges weren't working very hard during COVID, which contributed to the backlog of the unresolved cases. So anybody that, that was in the practice of law knows that COVID uh, put a lot of criminal defense lawyers really on the ropes. There were no cases. People weren't committing crimes. There weren't traffic accidents. There weren't people out and about to cause disputes. And if, if, if anything, COVID gave an opportunity for these judges to catch up on the on the backload. So they talked about the high rate of turnover. Uh, and, and if there's a high rate of turnover in that office, it's because of, of that person's leadership. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's why you have turnover, but the real crux of why uh, I'm so pissed off and, and gave him this honor is what he said about the prosecution of this particular case. There's a, there was a police officer in uh, Ohio or in the, Columbus named uh, Andrew Mitchell, and he was accused of shooting a woman uh, who he was trying to arrest on a prostitution sting. She had a knife. Uh, she stabbed him, uh, shot him, I think five times in the back seat of the car, which, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not defending the guy at all. Uh, I mean, it's a little suspect when you're, you're firing five shots at that range. But so uh, Ron O'Brien, the previous os- uh, prosecutor, uh, filed the charges Tyak, the new prosecutor, comes in. And when I say new prosecutor, understand that Tyak, since he's been in office, hasn't tried a single case where Ron O'Brien actually got out there and actually was a lawyer, as opposed to Tyak, who's uh, who's administrating. But so they try this guy, it ends in a mistrial. And as often in these cases, they uh, retry him. So Tyak says that he was disappointed in the outcome of the initial trial. But here's the kicker. Uh, here's the kicker. He is acquitted, completely acquitted in the retrial. And then we find out 
in the retrial, he says to the public, he wasn't disappointed in the outcome of the county county's case because he interviewed the jurors, which I doubt that. It, it had to be his assistant prosecutor because he wasn't in the courtroom trying the case. In the initial acquittal, seven of the 12 jurors said that they were leaning towards not guilty. Seven of 12 jurors. There is no prosecutor in America that would retry that case and waste our resources as taxpayers to retry that case when seven of the 12 jurors said that they were leaning. You only need one, folks. But seven of the jurors said that they were leaning towards not guilty. And, um, you know, of course he's going to say publicly well, he wasn't that concerned about the uh, outcome of the second case because it shouldn't have been tried in the first place. And, and this is just another example of just outright incompetency and waste of our taxpayer dollars. So, Kerry Tyak, you are the asshole of the week. Now let's turn to Lauren. Jane Doe, welcome to Lawyers Are Assholes. We, we were talking before we went live, and we want to protect her identity. We've come up with a, a fake name so we can have a normal conversation. So we're going to use Lauren, but we want to protect her identity from her kids and, and anybody that wants to snoop or knows. Or, so I want, to, I want to start, Lauren, by telling the audience how we met. And you are an experienced bartender at a well-known establishment in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and um, you'll remember I took my, my, my lawyer buddy, Francis, and we sat at the bar. And Francis, is, it, for some reason, likes to tell the entire world he's a lawyer. <laughs> and he says, uh, I don't know if you asked what we did, or he, just, he probably just volunteered it, but he said, we're lawyers. And you gave us like a death stare. And I said, okay, I don't like lawyers either. And you said that you were in the middle of a divorce. And... You were not happy with your lawyers, and then uh, subsequently we started talking. You you discuss, you found out about my podcast, and we started talking about. And then I learned of your situation, which is horrendous, and yeah. which we're going to talk about today. Uh, but I wanted to give the the, the listeners of a, of a sense of how we know each other, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget that that look. Uh, and I'm thinking, God, man, I don't want to tell anybody I'm a lawyer because I mean, so many people dislike lawyers or have had bad experience with, with lawyers. So we want to start with this. And this is just unbelievable. You, you provided me, which we're going to get to in full circle, but you provided me with the uh, email where you fired your lawyers yes. uh, and appropriately from, and you provided all the information as to why you fired them. And it gets back to the point that I have preached my entire career, which is that lawyers uh, should never be involved in a domestic situation ever, unless there are significant monetary issues or things that are outside the purview of a, a normal mediator to be able to, because, right. because lawyers and judges, and especially judges that are elected, aren't, they aren't trained in dealing you know, you've got two young children. They're they're not, even though you ha didn't have a custody issue here, but they're not trained in evaluating and no background in doing it. So we've got a completely, and I can tell you anybody that's been through a divorce is going to agree with me 1,000%. Uh, we've got to overhaul this domestic sy the system. And when they hear your story, it's even going to compound that belief even more. But what struck me when I first saw, uh, I saw the email 
was what this uh, lawyer, it's up to you. I, you can name them. I don't care. You can keep them anonymous. Um, it's up to you. Uh, I don't have any problem yelling at people, but I don't expect the guests to have the same um, viewpoint on that. But how did you get to this lawyer? Was it a referral? It was, was not a referral. No, um, never being in trouble or having to seek out an attorney for any purpose at all. What does one do? Google, right? Um, and they were not the first one that popped up, but they had high enough ratings. So I gave them a ring, you know, and they offer an hour consultation for free. Mm. So after talking to the um, initial attorney, lawyer, the initial lawyer who never, I never spoke to him again until he held me hostage later down with the whole trying to refinance the home and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, which we'll get into. So um, you told him initially, you just gave him the basic outline. You said, I'm not seeking custody. We've got basic retirement. My husband's got basic retirement plan. We've got a house. You know, we want to sell it or split it or do what. So you had no complex legal issues involved at all. None. Right? What was that initial which I'm looking at, I can't believe, his initial retainer and the length of time that he could get you divorced. Um, The initial retainer was $5,000, which was pretty hefty, you know. Um, But he told you on the phone initially it would be $10,000. The entire cost. Right. So it would cost, the entire cost of the divorce, he he was very straightforward with that. He said it's a, it's a, it's a very expensive process. So he said, but usually we can get you divorced in three to four months, and it's going to be at or about $10,000. Okay. So did you felt comfortable enough to go in and, and see him? So you went to his office, but you didn't see him. You saw right. another domestic. In fact, you saw a shit ton of lawyers throughout this process because yes. they kept jacking you around. Um, That's and, correct. And, and, and this happens, um, just as an aside, when... Uh, in any civil litigation or, or domestic case, you don't want as a client to be passed around with other lawyers who don't know your case or your situation, right? right? right. I mean, um, you want the lawyer that you're comfortable with, that you started with, because in the most t- cases, and this applies to any profession, I mean, especially medical profession, you don't want a, a consult doctor that come in that hasn't talked to, that doesn't know what they're doing or hasn't had some background on what you're doing, but... A lot of these times, um, the lawyer's busy. They'll just send you to, to somebody else. You're starting all over, and you're starting over with a new bill. Right. And you're getting double or triple billed on questions that they can answer themselves. So, right. So, Had they opened the file. Correct. So you yeah. went in. So you went in the first time. And and I, tell us about what tell us what, what happened. What, what opened your eyes initially when you went in? And Well, when I did go in, I ended up meeting with um, a different attorney, um, Mary Lee, and she was great. I actually felt a lot more comfortable with her than I ever did with Rod or his wife, Linda, to be perfectly honest with you. She was a sweet lady, um, seemed very empathetic for my situation. Everything seemed very cut and dry. I said I was not seeking child support or alimony in any way. Um, so she wrote all this stuff down. I provided her with my tax information, all of the ins and outs so that they had every bit of information possible. Right. Um, you know, and then she filed motions for, I don't even know what to be perfectly honest with you, because every time she would send me something, none of it really made any sense to me. And I would email them and say, okay, explain to me what we're doing here. Well, this is for child support and alimony. I'm like, 
my mind is blown. I, I don't know any, how many times I have to tell you I'm not seeking those items. So I don't want that language in there because now you're passing it off to my ex-husband's attorney and he's yelling at me. Why are you seeking these things? You told me you weren't. And I'm like, I'm not. I don't know why they're putting this language in there. Hmm. Oh, it's straightforward. This is very standard is what they were telling me in response. That doesn't mean that we're going to get it, but it gives us a bargaining chip. There's nothing to bargain here. So, th- so that's what the lawyer was telling you. Yes. That, that it sounds like they were trying to intimidate him then if they put this in and said, if you don't meet our terms or settle it, you're going to. Is that what they were doing? Were Essentially, because they, to... they would never let it go. Okay. Anytime that they bounce me around from one attorney to the next. Okay. But this is what bothers me about this system is that all, the only thing you're doing or the attorney is doing in that case is pissing off the husband. Yes. Right. Poking the bear. And you're poking the bear. Exactly. But you tried to explain to them, this is not necessary. This is not, it's not. what I want to do. But they didn't listen to you. Never. Not yeah. once, actually. And they kept you, harping on it. And then you had to go back to the husband and say, you know, this is not me right. doing this. Right. right. So after that after that initial meeting and you're putting the documents together, where did it go? Where, where, were you asking questions and not getting answers or, or and t- typically in these cases, uh, just not responding? Um, well, they weren't responding, not in a timely manner ever. Um, but then I would email them or leave them voicemails and then I'd get a bill for, you know, an itemized bill and eventually and be billed for $250 for one response for an email. And I'm like, how long did that really take you? (laughs) Not long because it was one sentence. Right. Which is. Which is the, the the whole argument to to get lawyers out of the middle of this thing? It's um, unnecessary, yes. Know, to especially to bill at that at that kind of a rate. A lot of big Absurd. law firms will have, and they'll tell you in their billing statement out front they'll do they'll have a minimum uh, charge if they open the file, and if it's a yes or no response, they're still gonna gonna charge you um, sure. a quarter of an hour of time, which is again it's outrageous. It is outrageous. But so. You're going along here, and you're not getting anywhere. Nowhere. In fact, at one point, the case was continued, and you just, you're looking on the docket because they weren't communicating with you about what's happening. Right. So you've got to find out that your case is continued. Yeah, I found out that my fa- my case was continued through my ex husband. Okay. He's the one who told me, um, not my own attorneys. They were unaware. You know, she was still emailing me. I'll meet you at the courthouse at, you know, blah, blah, blah time. And I'm like, you won't because <laughs> the courts actually needed the room and they had to continue it. And so I informed them. Well, now tell us about this, uh, the uh, parenting class situation. Was that was that required by the Franklin County courts to have a it is parenting required. class? It is required by Franklin County. If you have if you have a divorce situation where there are children involved, it doesn't matter if you are on the same terms at all with the whole parenting situation. Franklin County requires you to take this okay. parenting course. Okay. Now, I find this, and it's been a long, long time since I've been in, involved in a domestic case, but personally, since we're anonymous, how old are you? I am 40. You're 40. Yes. And your children are? Uh, five and eight. Okay. So you've raised these children uh, from birth to five and eight. Correct. And you've got Franklin County Domestic Court telling you that you have to go to a parenting class. That's right. <laughs> okay. Tell us about the parenting class because I... Um, 
you know, there were there were things that were helpful tools in the parenting did you class. Have to pay, did you have to pay for this? It was free. Okay. Um, right. To do like an online. It was like um, via Zoom or whatever. And there were probably 20 other people in the class on the Zoom session with us. Um, you had to be visible on camera, microphone on the entire time. Um, it was led by a woman. They do offer, you know, in-person classes too, which you do have to pay for. Um, it's 30 bucks, I think, okay. or something like that. They're held at hotels or random places downtown. But for sake of ease, I just chose the online. So version. the focus, now the focus, maybe I'm backing off on this a little bit. But the focus would be on in dealing with a divorce situation. This is not about true parenting. Because it's they're not. certainly not going to make you take a class about true parenting. Yeah, it's not. And uh, what did you learn? What, what? Um, just how your parenting schedules were going to be. So once you actually have it in writing, but who you gets agreed, the kids when? You agreed on yours, correct? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. There so was no, we, that's one of, thing that we have never disagreed with at all the right. entire time. Right. Who has the kids when? And it's a 50-50 split. He has them half the time. I have them half the time. Um, so yes, it was very boring. It was two hours long and you had to sit there for two hours and watch videos and how... Divorce affects children, and if the parents are bad-mouthing each other, um, it really stresses the children. But in my, in my case, I don't ever bad-mouth my ex-husband to my children because it's not worth it. I don't right. want them to have a bad perception of their own father, even if I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a reason to have a bad perception. Definitely. Uh, pre- previous to this. but So then you, you do the parenting class, and... The case is proceeding, and why wasn't there an effort to to resolve everything prior to? I mean, you. It sounds like you were preparing for a trial. I mean, you you right instead of like really making an effort to to settle it. Right now, why do you think that? Why do you think that happened? I think that happened so that they could continue to bill me, and I think that they were dragging their feet on intentionally and you know, bouncing me back and forth to different attorneys so that they could continue to bill. And my whole thing is people get divorced every day. You're going to gain another client. Why are you latching on to me? The sooner you get this done, the sooner you can have another file on your desk. Well, you just, that is just the, been the burr up my ass on, on ever since I became a lawyer is lawyers continuing to litigate cases because they know they're getting an, an hourly rate. Now, listen, yeah. I, I know I know a lot of the good domestic lawyers in in Columbus that that don't do that, but I also know some that salivate when they get a twenty page bullshit motion because they're going to spend you know they're going to bill you ten hours to respond to it, right? Knowing at the end of the day, and this is what happens because it most always. At the end of the day, you end up where you started. Yeah. And that was your case. You ended up where you started, but you had a lot of aggregation, uh, aggravation. And then you had all these attorney fees that seemed to be unnecessary, especially looking at that. By the way, that was uh, that was a very artfully diplomatic termination letter. I, my language would have been <laughs> much worse the way that you described it. I mean, especially getting bounced around with different lawyers in-house. Right. Because I, I just, I, I don't see, I mean, I don't understand, you know, practicing for 35 years. I don't understand why there was any additional lawyer involved. Uh, if you had Mary Lee in the beginning, right. you should have had Mary Lee at your final hearing. Definitely. Uh, and that didn't happen. It didn't. Which is, which is really uh, unfortunate. 
So what made you decide, was it just finality and say, uh, in, in terms of terminating them, what, what did you decide? Why did, how did you just come to that conclusion? I got to get rid of these guys. Or They're not doing anything for me. Well, mm-hmm. how I got there was after putting things or paying for their bill on my credit card, borrowing money from my parents, um, my retainer, my escrow account got emptied out again. And I was then billed on top of that. I got a bill for like $6,500 after I had already paid them 12700 to date. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm freaking done. I have had it with you guys. You've done nothing for me except for cause me additional stress right. and, and a very th- and, stressful point in my life anyhow. And $13,000. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, th- th- that's the other lesson is uh, there are a lot of lawyers that, that won't require you to put up an escrow account so they can tap into the money that they're – and you always want control over your bills. And, I mean, I would tell any listener that you never want to give anybody an unfettered access to an account or an escrow account with, without you seeing the, b- the bills. Right. You're going to be able to talk about the bills. I understand – and, and most of us work this way. I mean, if there's a five thousand dollar retainer, you work against that right. retainer. You can replenish it, but you want to stay on top of what has been billed and what's paid. Right? Did did you did you ever challenge him on the the, the billing? I or? didn't, um, yeah. just because I am so naive to how the whole system works. Honestly, I I felt like I was in between a rock and a hard place. I just didn't know if there was any way to Lauren, challenge this is, it. This is why you're the perfect guest on this podcast, because people like you should challenge that. You should say, right. you know, holy shit, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm $13,000 into this thing. I, I don't have a deal done. You know, I don't see at the end of the tunnel. Why am I, why am I in this situation? Right. It didn't make any sense to continue to file the motions to not inform me of the required parenting course. I found out about the parenting course through a friend who has a friend who is going through a divorce and her attorneys didn't tell them about the parenting course. So when they were actually at the court for their pre-trial hearing, the judge asked them where their parenting certificate was. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. So, so they continued it and, and they and, had to continue it. And that's he, correct. And he wouldn't sign off. The judge would never sign off. Didn't on sign it. off on it because they didn't have their parenting class completed. So I was being proactive and sought out the parenting course. And it is through the court system. You, when you sign up for the parenting course, you have to put your case number in um, all of your information. And then you get a whole fancy certificate upon your completion. Right. And um, I was kind of ticked why they didn't tell me that I had to have that. But again, it's, to line their pockets to benefit them and them only. So lawyers lining the, their pockets is a has been a common uh, theme of of anyone that complains about lawyers, and it, that certainly looks like that they were pretty aggressive in the billing here, especially in having different lawyers bill for the same right. for the same thing for the uh, same thing. Yeah. So at thirteen at thirteen thousand dollars, you don't have a final settlement. And we don't uh, even have a trial date anymore at this point. Right. We're just floating, which is just it's crazy. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's but that's why we need this reform. And that's why at the end of the podcast, I'm going to talk about how we how we get there and and how we make this uh, reforms. Do you remember the judge who the judge is in your case? I think it's Brown. And she's been fine to deal with. Um, Now, we did have a pretrial finally last month um, where, you know, I went downtown, parked, all of that anxiety, get to the courtroom. And my by the hu- way, by the way, it is, it is, uh, 
there is anxiety associated because of the, the bullshit way that they schedule these cases. They'll schedule 10 pretrials at nine o'clock in the morning. Right. And you've got people outside that don't like each other standing in in the hallways. I, I mean, I have complained about this since the day I was a lawyer and walked in and did my first municipal traffic case and there's a hundred people here. It's like, wait a minute. I mean, and as I found out later, these judges, uh, many of them, they like this schedule because at noon they're done. I mean, they can run through these cases and they'll, they'll argue and the lawyers listen to this, you know, I'm 1000% right again, this too. They'll schedule, you know, they, they need these open dates for, for trial dates of people, you know, actually have to have trial and municipal and it's all bullshit. I mean, it's just bullshit. You can, especially in these domestic high emotional cases, um, you don't want to be standing out in the hallway. Uh, I mean, I've just seen horse. I mean, I've seen fistfights outside of uh, the Franklin County courthouse because they stack all these up together uh, instead of, instead of uh, separating um, the the cases and spreading them out. So when you get to the courthouse, you park your car, like you said, you, you walk in, you have your hearing, you know, you're not standing out in the, hallway. Right. Well, she actually refused to see us that day because at this point in our journey, I am pro se. So I'm representing myself. So my husband's um, attorney forgot to file the paperwork in a timely matter. She has to have it 24 hours prior to the court date. Right. So it wasn't ever filed. So we show up. You mean just your pro se motion? That was her. That's not frankly not just role. not that's, that's not her just role? the pro se, just our entire agreement, okay. our entire settlement agreement oh, okay. Okay. was never forwarded to her. So she didn't even really know what she was looking at. So she refused to see us, even though we had it. She wanted to educate herself. I don't know. She refused to see us. So not only that, so it was actually well, at well, 4 p.m. So, so how long were you? OK, it's 4 p.m. Yeah. And this document is eight, nine pages. It talks about. The division of assets, which right. we had already divided our assets at right. this point in time. So I'm out of the house. just merely He's, documenting that. Yes. Okay. And and the um the child custody situation, so that we're going to be split. Okay. Parenting. Now, do listeners think that this is an overly cautious judge or just a lazy ass judge that can't? I mean, I think that I could digest if I'm an experienced common pleas judge. I'm not going to make you bring your ass back down there again. Right. I'm going to take, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to take a few minutes to read this thing and get you out and get it done. Get it done. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not the only person that thinks that that's just ridiculous. No, it was, and it, it, that ticked me off to the nth degree because here now I had to throw my shift. So I had to find somebody to cover my shift at work, get a babysitter for the amount of time that we were out you know, or at the courts, which wasn't even that long. So the magistrate finally saw us and she said that the judge will agree to seeing you for your next hearing via Zoom. So now I don't have to go anywhere for our final Oh, so you had a compromise. You know, it sounds like to me like you had a judge and needed to get to happy hours, what it sounded like to me. Probably so. Because that is total bullshit. Yeah. A waste of time. To make two people that are in a stressful period of their life that can't get finality because she's too damn lazy to look at the eight or nine pages and sign off on it. Because she didn't have it pr- 24 hours prior to our hearing. Yeah. That's total horseshit. It is. That's just. The whole process yeah, is. That's horseshit. BS. Yeah. It is. All right. You're allowed to swear on this podcast. Okay. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I want, I want to ask you about the, the issue of uh, 
trying to get your house refinanced. Yeah. Um, and uh, lawyers just didn't respond and you. Oh, it had- was a nightmare. The whole situation. It, this was like, I think the icing on the cake when dealing with my attorneys, because um, first of all, my husband was trying to refinance the home because on paper, I did not make enough money to refinance it by myself to buy him out, you know? So he could, and he did. So, right? so he was working with you, trying to help you, or you're trying to do an economic deal that was beneficial Correct, for you. Because okay. at the end of the day, we wanted the kids to stay in the same school system, um, which they are, and it, it benefits everybody okay. for one of the parent to stay in the house. For right. me financially, I could not do that. Right. Um, so for that, his, he, he was under the gun because interest rates were rising and he got locked into this interest rate. But his um, loan officer said, you know, the underwriters, they make you basically give your firstborn child, you know, to oh, yeah. sign off on any sort of well, loan. That's, that's not that's not going to get any better after the recent bank things. No, the, not at all. We I might mean, even be facing another Warren, recession. But Warren, Warren Buffett's not going to be able to get a bank loan. But go ahead. I'm sorry. At but, any rate. Um, yeah. So. His loan officer sends over a letter to his attorney that says, you know, that I need to sign off that I'm not seeking child support or alimony. Right. Okay, Yeah. Why is that a thing? It shouldn't be a thing because it's never been a thing. I'm not seeking that. No problem. I forward it over to Mary Lee. Zero response. So I call their office. Zero response. Hours are going by. So finally, I get a call back. They're refusing to sign this letter because they're saying I'm giving up my rights to seek child support and alimony. I said, well, you were doing that anyway. Correct. Right. And I said, this isn't news from the time I spoke to you on the phone initially six months ago to the point where I'm in person. I don't know how many times I need to reiterate this and how many emails that I sent them. I am 13. You you sent 13 emails. I did because I I counted them. Yes. Um, with zero response. So now I'm on the phone with Rod and Linda, and they're trying to bully me into not signing this letter. Did, what, what was the rationale if you, you'd already made that decision? I mean, that was your decision. That's my decision. Yes, right. it's my money. It's my right. life. Right. Why are you not signing this letter? Well, down the road, you might not ever be able to seek it again. I don't care. I don't right. want it. Well, to interrupt you again. Here's what, here's what that lawyer, if that lawyer had that true concern, maybe they did. They should have sent you an email that said, this is, we're going to execute this to facilitate this financing for you so that it can be done quickly. Right. But, you know, we want to protect our own ass. They don't want to say it more professionally, but, you know, we did advise you that you're um, giving up the alimony. They could have done that. And I don't know why they didn't do that because lawyers are the the best on the planet and covering their ass. I mean, it, believe me, it's it's like, how do you have any confidence in the lawyer when he's always looking over his shoulder? But I also want to back up on, on three days, and, and this is a, another lesson to, to listen. If your lawyer in an emergency situation is not calling you back after three days, you call the damn bar association. You file a complaint. I mean, you do this immediately because lawyers are the worst. I mean, they're just the worst in, in responding to and, and I can't even believe that they knew what the emergency was because you're did. sending you're sending them the email saying my husband can't get this financing right and he lost it right he didn't no so after three days here's the thing so this was me trying to sway them for three days like I I don't need the child support or the alimony you have known this from the beginning so then one of the conversations that I had with Rod was um, 
well, why are you only getting paid out 54,000? You should be getting 80,000. I go, where is that number coming from? He said, well, that is the current value of your home. I said, there is no current value of the home. Um, he's like, well, based off of the paperwork that he sent in, I said, we're, he was just pulling numbers from Zillow. I said, the market, we're in December now. The market has dropped down. I am a former real estate broker. I follow real estate religiously. I know what the numbers are. So you are. both know the value. You both were comfortable with the value. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I said, not to mention, so he's not going to sign off on this letter. So if my husband loses out on the refinance deal, then I can't go forward with financing the deal on my new condo. So then we're up a creek because two of us are homeless now, or we're both back in the same home together, which is a non-option, an absolute non-option. So, I mean, I don't even know how many, 13 emails I I texted or sent them. At any rate, um, at the end of the day, it, it all comes down to the fact again, to line their own pockets. They're seeing this eighty arbitrary $80,000 that I should be getting paid out for um, the refinance. Well, their argument, Lauren, they were looking out for your, your interest on that. I mean, that's what they're going to say. Well, of and course, they, of course that that's what they're going to say. But I had uh, to tell him, I was like, even if we had spent the $500 to get um, an appraisal, a proper appraisal on the property, there's no way it would have come close to that number. No right. way it would have come close to that number. And then his argument was, well, what if he sells the house three years from now and that number is true? I said, three years from now, okay. Well, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. cares. I said, yeah. with that, if the if the prices of homes have gone up that much, I could sell my condo and make equally right. as much. Right, right. But you're refusing to do this. Right. So then they typed up different letters and signed off on it, but didn't have the correct language. So now they're, you know, typing these letters, sending them over to the attorney, the loan he's officer. Rejecting, they're, they're, they're rejecting, rejecting them. They're rejecting every single one because the wording was not correct. Right. And I'm like, just sign the original damn letter. So you got, I don't know how many times I have to tell so you, you this. So you got billed for those. Um, yeah, $1,300. $1,300 they billed me for those three days that they held me hostage because they were not listening to my wishes. And ultimately, I am the client. Right. Right. You are. And like I said, even... Even if, if, if a listener thinks that you're wrong or being too aggressive to get it done, the lawyer could have covered their ass. But at the end of the day, you do make the decisions. Right. You do make the decisions. And, and unfortunately, so many lawyers just don't listen to, at the, all. to the client. At I mean, all. Because it's not financially beneficial for them to do so. Uh, so, Lauren, where does the case stand right now today? Um, tomorrow is D-Day. Tomorrow is the day that... Uh, is that your Zoom call? Yep. Tomorrow okay. is my Zoom call, and it is the final hearing, and I will officially be divorced tomorrow so, after almost a year. Okay, so Woo. because we're not we're we're not going to air this till after your final hearing, so we can I can say this without impacting you at all. So you is it the same lazy ass judge that you could have had this done had last they, month? Had they looked at it last month? Yeah. Doesn't that piss you off? Yeah, it I does mean, piss me off. It pisses me off that I could have been divorced in December, technically, actually, because that was. Our oh, it's been that long. Yes. That oh. our first hearing, our first hearing was in it's December. It's almost April. So correct. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep. OK. All right. Well, it, that, it should have been done months ago. OK. Yeah. Well, I'm going to reach out to the office. I'm going to find out. I, I just got to find out why. I, I mean, it just sounds like to me that you're just too lazy to do it at that point in yeah, time. She had right. had a full docket for the day or something. Who knows? You mean when and she rolled in at 10 and, and had two hour breaks? Okay. All right. I don't know. I All really right. don't. Cause I never actually even met her. I only met the magistrate. 
she didn't see us. She refused to see us. So, well, congratulations, and and uh, you'll get this done tomorrow. And uh, I'm fingers glad crossed. Every, yeah, everything's worked out. That's great, and you're you're moving on, and and yeah. and I know you're happy. So. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for being being uh, on the podcast. I think people will really like to hear the story. They'll learn from it. I hope they'll, so. They'll learn to challenge their lawyer and they'll uh, they'll be frustrated with somebody having to pay $13,000 just to fire them. Right. Because of their own ineptitude. So, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. So, when you hear what Lauren had to say, you've got to have some just absolute disappointment in the judicial system and how this judge acted. And, and But let me tell you, part of the reason that this happens is this judge, and by the way, we always give the person that we're talking about an opportunity to, to defend themselves or, or respond um, in, to what we're, what we're saying. And this judge gave us the canned same answer, which is, I still have jurisdiction over this case. And yeah, I don't want to jeopardize that, but that's the excuse. Uh, and, and they can talk about it if the client certainly gives them permission. But here's the reason that we're in this situation with, with judges. This particular judge never practiced law. Uh, her greatest achievement in her in her career is she was director of the legal operations at the Bureau of Workers' Compensation. How How does being in a state job at the Bureau of Workers' Compensation give you the experience, the training, or any understanding of how to deal with a domestic case. It, it doesn't. And moreover, she was appointed to the bench. She has a surname, Brown, that she is never, ever, as long as she wants to be a judge in Franklin County, she's going to be a judge in Franklin County until she ages out at the mandatory retirement age. And this, folks, is wrong, especially when you hear that Lauren's life was affected negatively for oh, four months, four months when she could have taken the five minutes to read this simple entry and granted them a divorce. You know what could happen in four months afterwards? They could, they could, they could get it's a domestic situation. It's volatile. Things could change, and it and it, for four months they had to deal with this hanging over their head because Kim Brown would not stay the extra five minutes and grant them a divorce. And and folks, if there's any reason that we really have to appoint judges based on merit, this is the case. And as always, thank you for tuning in and listening to Lawyers Are Assholes. Seen summers ago. Yeah.